Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Boswick, and today's guest is Olivia Amitrano, who is the founder of Organic Olivia, which is a vibrant online ecosystem and apothecary. If you haven't heard about it, Olivia's platform is built on traditional wisdom, modern herbal medicine, and a brave willingness to explore our opportunities for growth and personal responsibility. Olivia is an herbalist, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a podcast host on a lifelong quest to learn and share as much as she possibly can about what supports the human condition and vibrant health. Her goal is to bring balance to the wellness conversation without judgment as someone who understands that ancient herbs and modern interventions each have their place. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, thank you for hopping on. I know we've been wanting to connect for a while now, so it's really exciting to finally have time to have you on the show and have this conversation. I feel like, you know, we've never formally like communicated together, but I've obviously seen your work. I'm a huge fan and I just love what you've brought to the wellness world. And so I can't wait to learn more about you and your journey because I feel like you know, you see bits and pieces on social media, but being like the busy women that we both are, it, you know, you don't get the full story, right? You don't get the full story and the passion and the why behind it. So I'm really excited to have you on and learn more about you. Same here. And it's so nice to to be on a show like yours and be asked about kind of like the beginning of the journey because I'm so in the weeds sometimes that I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I started all of this. Like, Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Tell me, you know, we, this is like a new community. Maybe people who are listening don't know about you. I'm sure a lot do, but tell me just like how, you know, your journey inspired you to create Organic Olivia. I know you have a background of, you know, finding yourself in the doctor's offices and, and being told that like your diet and lifestyle had nothing to do with your digestive stuff, but like, you know, going from that, I think a lot of people are starting to experience that same story, but then like taking that story, applying like what you learned and then like going on to create what you've created is obviously not something that people typically do. So tell us, you know, about the whole journey and how you uh, got to where you are today. So I think you summed it up really well in terms of me just feeling frustrated that I wasn't Um, getting answers about my chronic health conditions, and then also feeling like the things that I felt were helping or avenues that I felt I could explore like diet were total dead ends by every professional that I saw. So I guess my journey begins about 10 years ago now, since it is 2022, (laughs) um, in 2012, when I was a freshman in college, and I had dealt with some chronic issues for a while. I always had um, digestive issues, stomach issues. I was diagnosed with IBS and I was put on some prescription spasmodic drugs that were meant to kind of help with the immense pain and cramping that I was experiencing with my IBS. Um, Alongside IBS, I also had a lot of skin issues. I got a lot of chronic rashes and acne and hives, and I had cystic acne on my face and on my back. And I would notice that my acne would totally flare up whenever my gut would flare up and everything in my body kind of moved together. And then I also just had microbiome imbalances elsewhere. I had a lot of different yeast infections that would come on when I would have a gut flare or this and that. And it just felt like there was always something wrong with me. I was always inside of a doctor's office. I had mental and emotional wellness complaints as well that came along with dealing with chronic illness. And I just felt like I was being put on more and more prescription drugs for all of these different issues. And I said to myself one day, I'm only 18 years old. I'm going to get to the point where I'm 30, 35, 40, 45. And the amount of prescriptions that I'm on are just going to kind of keep piling up. If I don't find other interventions that I can use to at least cut down on this list and take a more integrative approach. And that was a time when integrative medicine wasn't really a thing. I mean, it was only 10 years ago, but the wellness industry was not what it was, what it is now. There weren't really a lot of Instagram accounts and online forums and wellness companies sharing education. So I was like, is there an integrative approach? Are there things that I can do to help my stomach and my digestion where I can have a little bit more balance in my life and take a more natural approach to things? And so one day I got really fed up. I 
went to a, um, an acupuncturist, a Chinese herbalist that was near my house because I just, I had left a doctor's appointment. I was put on another antibiotic. I was told you just need to kind of wait this out. We don't know what's really wrong with you. Try this antibiotic. And I was just done. So I went to a Chinese herbalist and I stuck my tongue out and he looked at my tongue and was like, oh my goodness, you have this going on. You have yeast in your gut. You have, your liver is inflamed, all of these things. And I'm like, how did you know that just from my tongue alone? It was amazing. And so he gave me a bunch of herbs. Um, He told me to put them in some cranberry juice and drink them at night. And he gave me some capsules and he said, within a week or so, you're going to feel so much better. All of your acne and your bumps are going to be less inflamed. You're not going to be in as much pain in your stomach. You just wait and see. And he was absolutely right. Within a week, everything within my body wasn't cured, of course. But for the first time, I felt like I had an intervention in my hands that actually calmed things down, that calmed down the root source of this inflammation in my body. And I was a believer <laughs> at that point. And up until then, I really didn't understand alternative medicine. I had some kids, uh, some friends growing up that had crunchier moms that had like rice milk in their cereal and ate like puffins instead of Cheerios. And I always thought that they were so odd with like their Arnica cream and natural remedies because my family was strictly Western medicine. And I was even in pre-med at the time in college to hopefully become a doctor and figure out all these health issues for myself. So this totally opened my eyes to the natural world. And I was like, maybe herbs are a thing. Could there be any information about this out there? So I started to look around on the internet and learn about the herbs that I was taking and the formulas that he gave me and became really interested in traditional Chinese medicine since that was kind of the system that he used to diagnose and treat me. And I just began consuming as much information as possible. I read so many books on herbalism and TCM and just started to kind of experiment and learn how to make teas at home and decoctions and tried different tinctures and started to just document my health journey online on my blog on (laughs) organicolivia.com. And um, people were interested in it. I found this whole community out there of other people who had been going to doctors for years and years and were told that, Mm, diet doesn't really matter. There's no way that dairy is a trigger for your IBS. There's no way that gluten is causing your acne. There's no way that this food is creating an issue for you. That's just not a thing. And so we all kind of like migrated to the internet and began to share tips and, oh, this peppermint tea really helps with my IBS flares. And my blog just kind of became a hub for that. And I connected with like-minded individuals and the rest was history. And I think that that's kind of how a lot of the wellness industry that we see today began. Um, and now we have Instagram and TikTok and all and podcasts and all these different sources of media where we continue to kind of share tips like that just in a much broader way because it's more commonly accepted since people have been seeing results from natural things for so long now. Yeah, I love that. And, it, you know, to your point, like, I think I remember my first Instagram post was like in 2013, maybe. So it's like, because that wasn't there, you were also, I think like some people are at a disservice. Like sometimes I think about this, but that's because I'm older (laughs) that they're coming into it with social media already telling them because you were able to really go and read books and literally study and learn and have this passion and deep dive, like truly deep dive rather than going in. And I think it's great for like most people, they don't need to deep dive, right? Like they just want to know bits and pieces of information, which is great. They can go on your platform, like ours, they can go find it. But a lot of people could really benefit from like understanding the why or how, or the way that we're so just amazed by the plant world. It's just like so incredible that there's all these remedies that nature has provided us and we could like study and learn it. And like, it's, yeah, it's just so amazing. And But I love that you found that and you did a deep dive and you learned and you were able to heal yourself and share that with other people. And that's really what it's all about is really reminding people to be their own advocate and to look for the like root cause because at the end of the day, Western medicine is not there. It's like a Band-Aid. And it, it's amazing that we have access to it. Like you said, I really appreciate it because my children have a genetic um, mitochondrial dysfunction. And I wouldn't have known that without Western medicine. And I'm able to treat them naturally through managing it naturally 
because I know, but it's because of Western medicine that I know or else they could have easily not been here with me today, which is unbelievable to think about. So yeah, I think that Western medicine, like you said, has a role, but it's not necessarily going to be a root cause. It's just like a temporary relief because you're in so much pain. Like there, you're able to like, you know, it's so interesting because it's like the other day I was with, um, my husband's cousin and she's younger and always like asking, you know, for advice health wise. And I'm like, she's like, you know, I have like chronic, I like ever since we launched our saffron bath, our inhale one, which is like a natural probiotic with the goat milk powder. A lot of women I've been like sharing how it's like great for your vaginal flora because it's a natural probiotic and like anti-inflammatory. And a lot of women have said the same thing where they've had so much many issues with yeast and like particularly UTIs and yeast infections and whatnot. And I think like, it's this cycle, like you said, of taking this antibiotic, feeling better, but then you never really solve the problem. Whereas like typically maybe someone has like a one-off surgery or something and they just have to take the antibiotic preventatively, which I'm still trying to figure out how you can take herbs preventatively instead of an antibiotic. But it's like, you know, instead of just like, okay, I have to take this this one time because of this situation and like I'm in that situation, I'm going to make that informed decision and I'm going to figure out how to heal my gut. Or instead, like people are in this cycle of continuing to take it all the time. And that's like such a big issue. It's choosing when to use such a powerful tool like Mm -hmm. antibiotics. And I think that upon their creation, um, they were this miracle because we have serious infections out there that we need antibiotics for. You know, even strep can be really dangerous. Sometimes you need an antibiotic for strep. There are certain things where absolutely pull out the big guns, but For me, you know, you're spot on with like that vaginal dysbiosis. I was treated so many times for my acne with antibiotics and I would notice, hey, yeah, my my acne does temporarily get better on these antibiotics, but I'm on them for almost a month and then I get off of them. Not only does the acne get worse, but my IBS gets worse and I start to have these vaginal slash BV like back and forth infections because my vaginal uh, microbiota is so thrown off. So it's kind of like we're using these these heavy-duty big gun tools that we absolutely need in our arsenal for chronic conditions that really, really respond well to plant medicine and proper herbal diagnostics. So it's just – it's an and. It's not an either-or. It's a I'm totally going to use this remedy when necessary, and then I'm going to really work with someone who can figure this chronic condition out for me and work with me on a long-term level because chronic conditions don't develop overnight, and they're often – lifestyle and microbiome base. So that's kind of where we need to work to resolve them versus just throwing a a big bomb at them. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the fullest podcast. As you may or may not know, we've been sharing the benefits of saffron with our community for a little while now, and I want to offer 15% off our entire product line to our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout online at the fullest.com. Growing up in a Persian family, I'd always felt the benefit of saffron in my life, but it wasn't until I stumbled on the research that it made me realize what powerful medicine it is. Saffron has been proven over and over again in clinical double-blind placebo trials to be an effective form of treatment for depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years for these purposes, and now the research is here to finally back it up, proving that plant medicines and ancient healing practices can actually be an effective alternative to pharmaceuticals. At the fullest, we believe that incorporating this ancient wisdom into our modern lives is the most powerful and accessible path to healing. We also believe that everyone's journey is unique, so our product line offers a variety of formulas to help you curate saffron into your personal wellness routine. Warm Feelings is our saffron latte powder and comes in individual sachets and in large sustainable glass jars. Featuring 150 milligrams of high-grade saffron in a creamy bed of coconut and cardamom, it's the perfect coffee alternative and feel-good start to your day. If you prefer to pop a pill, Kinder Thoughts is our 30-day supply of saffron capsules, and it's a super simple way to support your body and mood with the power of saffron. Not to mention, it's really amazing for headaches if you feel one coming on. Our saffron soaks are the latest addition to our product lineup, which include Exheal, our saffron salt bath blend, and Inheal, our probiotic-rich saffron milk bath blend. 
Soak in them to support your digestion, inflammation, and support your skin microbiome. Honestly, at the moment, I'm using each of these products on a daily basis depending on my needs. And to help you begin your saffron journey, we're offering a discount of 15% off just for our podcast listeners with code THEFULLESTPODCAST at checkout. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. Okay, so I want to get into a couple like specifics, you know, like I know you quit caffeine, I want to talk about that. But before we get into that, like I remember like right when the pandemic hit, you were sharing your experience with your parents getting sick and you helping take care of them before them, before they went to the hospital. And I want to talk about Yes, like that time that they did have to go to the hospital and you were an advocate, but like beforehand when no one really knew what was going on and how bad it, like, I mean, it was like a death sentence, right? Like if you got it, you were, it felt like you were like going to die or something right away. So, and a lot of it obviously has to do with the fact that our hospitals were treating people, the protocols were also off, but again, they didn't know how to handle what was happening. So no one knew, but there you are like that sense of responsibility of, cause I really identify with it, but I mean, I, and I do that for my parents, like when they're sick and I feel like I want to manage it because, you know, on a certain level, like obviously you are the expert of natural medicine. So you're going to be like, pull out all the treatments, everything that you know, and you did such specific ones. So I want to hear about that, but like emotionally, how did that feel? And it's just so beautiful because people are treating people with COVID like they're dirty and like you cannot get near them because you're going to be like, you know, patient number two and infection and whatever. So like, how did you and your boyfriend talk about that experience of like you bringing your dad in, like treating him and all that stuff? Like, tell me all. (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, I think that the biggest thing I learned from that experience with them is that early intervention really is key, especially when it comes to a virus and infectious disease, and especially if you're going to go at it naturally. I unfortunately got to my parents way too late. They had already had symptoms for almost two weeks, and we just didn't know it was COVID because their, their symptoms started in February. And we were in February, we didn't think that COVID was in New York in, in 2020. So it was like early March that we started to get word, oh, there's one case in New York, but it's not in our area. So it can't be COVID. But my parents had these like food poisoning symptoms for weeks and they had this mild cough and deep fatigue. So I just had no idea that it was actually COVID until I was in class one day and we had a, a class on COVID in my herb school because our teachers were like, okay, you know, we're herbalists. Let's try to look at the patterns of what we're seeing so far and learn from our colleagues in China who are on the ground there and and see what herbal formulas we can apply to this, especially preventatively. Um, And my teacher said, remember that when in in Chinese medicine, there is this lung and large intestine relationship. In, In TCM, each organ kind of has a pair, a sister organ that it works with. And the lung and the large intestine are each, um, they kind of get affected at the same time and they're really harmed by dryness, especially. So if, if your lungs are really dry, if the air is really dry outside, often you can get really constipated because your large intestine gets dry. So I know you're in California and sometimes when I travel there, I'm like, I need to be mindful of moisture because I can get a little bit sluggish with my bowels when the air is so dry. So that's just one example yeah. of like that relationship. But yeah, so my my teacher said, remember, there's a lung and large intestine connection. There's a gut-lung axis. So whenever someone is having an issue with their lungs, remember that symptoms can also show up in their digestive system. And all of a sudden it clicked for me because my parents kept saying, we just have this food poisoning that's just lingering for two weeks. We're just having a lot of like bowel issues and like gut symptoms and gas and discomfort. And so I had shared on social media like – you know, once I realized my parents had COVID, like, hey, guys, just be mindful that it, it doesn't always present as lung symptoms right away. It also could be gut-based. And then a day later, research came out of China showing that it does affect the gut microbiome and, and you can have gut symptoms. So thank God my teacher said that because once he did, I, I ran home um, and went to my parents' house and saw that they were just not in good condition at all. My mom had to be hospitalized right away. And I think they were just kind of both really scared and kind of like in denial of 
the fact that they could have COVID because, again, this was the first week of March. We didn't even realize it was in New York. Um, So they were afraid to be patient zero. I was afraid for them to be patient zero. And I had to really take over and start calling the shots. And I had to say, no, you're going to the hospital. I know you're scared. I know you don't want to. I know this is like an unprecedented situation and you don't want to be patient zero in a pandemic, but you need to go right now. So I had to kind of like be the parent in that situation and make those shot those uh, call those shots. And um, my dad got discharged from the hospital initially, even though my mom was admitted because they were like, you know, his, his O2 saturation is just a little bit low and he needs some fluids, but there's nothing we can do. And at that point we didn't have like testing. You couldn't really, you had to send a test up to Albany and you had to wait a week to get any kind of results. Um, so at the hospital, they just kind of said, Hey, you know, they haven't traveled to China recently or Europe. So we don't think that they have COVID. We're just going to admit your mom for pneumonia and, and send your dad home with some fluids and we'll just wait on his test results. And obviously like I knew he had COVID. It was very obvious. And so I wasn't going to let him go home alone. I, I just made the decision right then and there to bring him to my house. And yes, I was afraid that, okay, I'm obviously exposing myself to COVID now. And like, I'm inevitably going to get it and I'm putting my fiance at risk. And we just kind of had that conversation of, is that okay with you? Are you willing to be exposed to this and take care of my dad? I just don't want him to be alone. And my fiance is just the best human in the world. And he said, absolutely. I would, I would never want him to be alone during this time. Like, let's take care of him. Let's feed him. Let's make sure he's okay. And I just kind of relied on, on knowing that I'm hopefully young and healthy. And I started all my preventative remedies at that point, started high dosing zinc because it's so good at preventing viral replication, did my sauna every night, loaded up on vitamin C, flavonoids, teas, all this, um, and just tried to like arm myself essentially with herbal medicine and, and nutrients and took my dad in and just kind of started throwing whatever I could at him and giving him a lot of touch and love and massage and cupping and steaming to help him breathe. Um, and I did as much as I possibly could, but again, it, it was so late stage. It was late in the game for him and already his oxygen was low when he went to the hospital and they initially gave him some that after a few days with me, even though I prolonged everything, I knew that I had to, um, pass the baton and have him admitted to the hospital again so that he could be treated with Western medicine. And that's where that beauty of using the two come in. I kind of like loaded him up again with herbs and nutrients and armed his immune system with as much as I possibly could. And then said, great, here is where it's out of my scope. He needs to now get oxygen and fluids and antibiotics and all of this good stuff. So I sent him off to the hospital. And I think that was the hardest decision of my life because at that point, my mom was already on a ventilator um, because in those few days, her, her condition worsened. And I wasn't really telling him because I didn't want him to worry. So I was like, oh, mom is fine. Everything's fine. Um, But she was already on a ventilator. So saying goodbye to him and watching him go into the ambulance was definitely the hardest moment of my life thus far because I I just felt, okay, he's going to be the next one on the ventilator. And um, that's really it. I'm I'm probably going to lose both my parents now. So it was the hardest goodbye. But I knew logically that, again, this is out of my scope. He needs to be treated in the hospital. And I had my doctor coaching me through everything. And she said, don't you worry, you can still advocate for him while he's in that hospital. You can make sure he's getting the best treatment. And she kind of taught me how to call patient services, which is something that I didn't know existed within hospitals. And um, she kind of just taught me the language that they speak and how to ask patient services to check up on your family members and how to ask every day for a list of their medications so that you can monitor what they're on and how they're doing um, and just make sure that they're getting the right care because especially during COVID hospitals were so busy that it was so difficult for people to get the correct care. People were afraid to be in rooms for too long. Um, They were totally overloaded. So it was really kind of up to you to, to kind of tell the team, Hey, like this person has a family that really, really wants to know what's going on with them. Can you please stay on top of them? Can you just check in on them and just kind of like, ask for that care. And it was a full-time job. I I spent every single day calling both of my parents' hospitals nonstop because they were in different hospitals since my dad was at my house and one was closer to me. Um, And it it really was a full-time job to call both of them and, and see, can we try this experimental medication with them? Can we put them on this antibiotic? I hear from my other doctor friends that this antibiotic is working better. There might be like a secondary pneumonia that's happening. And I just 
tried to suggest everything I could and, and thank God for those nurses and doctors and the residents that I bothered every single morning. They, they tried whatever interventions they could, even if they were experimental, and they ended up saving both of my parents' lives. And I also worked with them to, to make certain changes. So for example, my mom, once I realized that she was on a feeding tube, I had someone on Instagram reach out to me who was a registered dietitian. And she said, hey, you know, I just want you to know the feeding tube formulas are, are great in terms of like meeting nutritional standards with enriched vitamins and minerals, but they're often made of corn syrup solids and cornstarch. And I didn't really want my mom to have that type of nutrition. I wanted her to have whole food nutrition. So I found out that there's a company that makes feeding tube formulas with organic kale and organic sweet potatoes and organic chicken and also the enriched vitamin and mineral blends. And I called the dietitian wow. at the hospital and I begged them to change my mom's feeding tube formula. I said, hey, she, she can't get other medications at that time. Can we just get her better food for, through her feeding tube so that she has a little bit more nutrition to fight? And they kind of said, hey, if this goes wrong, it's on you, but we'll change it. And I said, okay, let's do it. And uh, wow. she pushed through. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, the whole story is insane. Like, I made me so tearful, teary, and like I've been crying silently in the background. But so beautiful. I love it. Um, I cannot believe that there's better food formula, basic or whatever. What's it called? Feeding tube nutrition. That's so crazy. And they happen to also have it, or did they have to order it? So it's amazing. Instagram is truly such a wonderful resource because once I obviously was sharing this journey on Instagram and asking anyone that I knew for advice or does anyone, is anyone working in a hospital? Do they know what's working? I had so many people reach out to me with different just tidbits of information. And one woman reached out to me when I mentioned that I was looking for a better feeding tube formula. And she said, Hey, I actually um, have a whole box of this company called functional formularies. I have a, a whole box in my garage I'm not going to use it. My, my family member no longer needs it. They're no longer on a feeding tube. And I've just been, it's just been sitting here. Can I send it to the hospital for you? And so wow. she actually mailed a box of it to the hospital. Um, and I just like Venmoed her for the shipping fee. And she was like, I'm not going to charge you for it. Just, just pay me for the shipping. And um, they oh sent it to the gosh. hospital and the hospital had said to me, they said, if, if this works, if your mom, you know, continues to, to do well and, and is on this formula and it's fine, we'll just continue ordering it for her. But you, wow. know, you send it first. So it was, again, just every single day talking to the staff. And then once I started to learn more and again, like dug into that gut lung axis and realized that there's a whole microbiome in the lungs that you need to keep healthy, especially when you have a virus, because when you have a virus, all of the tissue within the respiratory system and the lungs becomes unhealthy and becomes stickier because it's inflamed and all of that tissue can actually have bacteria stick to it more easily. So now while you have a virus, you have to prevent a secondary bacterial infection, which is why people in hospitals are often put on preventative antibiotics to prevent hospital acquired pneumonia. Yeah. Um, so I realized, oh my goodness, there's a, there's an oral gut lung microbiome axis. How can we modulate the oral microbiome to help prevent the lungs? And I found this research showing that people who were hospitalized who brushed their teeth four times a day were like 90% less likely to get a secondary acquired pneumonia in a hospital because of that oral lung microbiome connection. So That's as soon as I learned that, even though I couldn't, yeah, I, even though I couldn't help my dad with, um, with any more herbs at home, I would call him and say, hey, can you ask the nurse or, or whoever is bringing your food if she can bring you some plain green tea and you can actually swish with green tea in between the times that you're brushing your teeth because green tea acts as a natural antimicrobial for the mouth and keeps the oral microbiome healthy. So I had my dad swishing. I had him sitting up a certain way so that he wouldn't go, you know, like lay down and, and lose O2 saturation. I told him to walk around as much as he possibly could. Like I was coaching him as much as I could holistically on how to just fight and keep the lymph moving and keep his oral microbiome really clean. And my dad actually never had to go on a ventilator. He was really close, but um, he was a fighter too. Wow. You are the most incredible advocate. That's amazing. And I know what it's like to advocate for loved ones in the hospital. So it's really hard to not get frustrated with staff and to remember that they are on our side. It's just that they are not like, you know, previewed to all this information that you have. So that's really beautiful. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have nothing but gratitude for the staff and they, they were so um, kind in listening to all my crazy ideas and working with me. And I just have such an appreciation for our nurses and our doctors. And actually one of the nurses who um, was working with my dad, she had told him, I, I think that in her culture, it was traditional as well to, um, to keep your, your oral health really tidy, especially when you're sick. So she also told him, Hey, you should swish with that. And he goes, my daughter just told me to do that. And she's like, great, swish with your tea. And she was telling him, make sure that you brush your teeth, make sure that you do this, swish with salt water. And it was so nice for him to have that encouragement from her because he also sometimes just thinks I'm his crazy herbalist daughter. And are these things really going to help? But we'll never know if they did or not. I think that they did, but. <laughs> they obviously did because the percentage of people that made it on, a, you know, after a ventilator. Yeah. I mean, obviously he didn't yeah. go on one, but still, it's pretty amazing. Super well, even t- with my mom, I called them and I asked if they were um, brushing her teeth while she was on the vent and they said no. And I asked, hey, can you brush her teeth while she's vented or use a little bit of chlorhexidine mouthwash? Um, and so they actually started doing that for my mom. So you'll be surprised at the things if you if you ask what they will do. They just don't always do it for every patient because, again, they're so busy. Yeah, it's true. They are. And so unless you ask, they're not really going to like go out of their way. So, okay. So like this actually kind of segues into the three herbs. So if you had to pick three herbs that everyone should know about to support their health, what would you pick and why? Slash, can you also answer, could you put like make toothpaste with green tea or you would just swish with it? You know, for toothpaste formulations, I think it's really important to have some kind of like a professional suspension of an anti-cavity ingredient, like a hydroxyapatite. So I personally, like if you're not going to use fluoride, definitely use hydroxyapatite. And I personally don't know how to make a formulation that contains a suspension of hydroxyapatite. So I'm not a fan of making your own toothpaste, Okay, (laughs) but you can definitely make your own mouthwash. You can make your own mouthwash with green tea where you can just do a little bit of green tea. You can dissolve a little bit of xylitol in there. Just make sure that you keep xylitol away from any pets because it is toxic to dogs. Um, Mm -hmm. But xylitol is a a birch tree derived um, sugar substitute essentially that looks like sugar, but it helps to bust biofilms in the mouth. So whenever we get plaque, plaque is actually a really sticky biofilm of about seven to 800 different species of bacteria, viruses, and yeast that kind of builds up on the teeth. And xylitol is a really great tool to actually break up that buildup of biofilm. It disrupts like the quorum sensing within the bacteria um, and helps to dissolve the biofilm. So if you swish with green tea and a little bit of xylitol after you brush your teeth, that is awesome. Okay, cool. That's good to know. And yeah, so what about- In terms of the three herbs. herbs. (laughs) Sorry. I totally got on a green tea mouthwash. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But in terms of the three herbs, so- um, I think one herb that everybody should just have on hand at all times that's really accessible is ginger. So um, even though we, we think of ginger as like a grocery store ingredient, it's a really, really powerful medicine at warming the stomach, the digestion, and also warming the womb or the uterus. Um, so for women who get cramps, I always recommend that before trying anything else, before going to more expensive herbal interventions or even my formulas or my tinctures, just start with plain ginger tea and cut up a, a chunk of ginger into slices and kind of smash the slices with the end of a butter knife to just release some of the juices. Put that into a medium pot of hot water, bring it to a boil, and then lower it down to a low simmer and just decoct that on the low simmer for about 15 to 20 minutes until you get a nice strong golden liquid. And drink that for about seven days leading up to your period and then also the days that you're menstruating. And I guarantee that that will lessen your menstrual cramps and just help with blood flow because ginger is so warming and so good at moving the blood. And in Chinese medicine, we always say that when things are congested or stuck and the body is cramping to try, to try to push blood out, it's because there's some cold that has built up in the uterus. And so the body is kind of fighting against that cold and rigidity and constriction to menstruate. So you just want to warm everything up. That's why a heating pad helps with blood flow and pain. Um, so ginger is kind of like your internal heating pad. And of course, you can use it for bloating, gas, and digestion too. The second one would be hawthorn berry or rosehip. I just really love 
red berries for heart health and cardiovascular and metabolic health. I think that especially what we learned from COVID is that having um, any sort of a, a metabolic disease is a risk factor for the severity of COVID. So heart disease, diabetes, etc. And hawthornberry and rosehip are two beautiful berries that have a ton of antioxidants that protect the heart, that protect the vasculature, and actually help to tone and strengthen cardiovascular health over time. So I really like to drink um, hawthornberry and rosehip after my workouts. They're great for recovery, and they're just really good longevity herbs, essentially, for heart health and long-term physical fitness. The third one would be oat straw. And oat straw is the grassy part of the oat plant. It doesn't look green. It's like almost uh, uh, beige grass kind of. <laughs> I love oat straw. oat straw is very, there you go. Do you give it to your kids? Yes. There, there was a really cute place. I think they went out of business called Simple's Tonics in Santa Monica. Yes. And I would get the oat straw infusion all the time. And they had an air one, so it was really easy to to grab, but my son loved it. So yeah, tell me more all about all the good things about oat straw. I love Simple's Tonic too. We interviewed Tracy, who is the owner. Um, She's just amazing. So oat straw is a really mineral rich plant. And when we have especially young ones that are growing and building bones and, uh, you know, teeth and all of this good stuff and and just growing new cells at every moment, we want to provide them with a lot of minerals and nutrients as building blocks for that growth. So you don't have to be a child, of course, to drink oat straw, but it's just such a wonderful nutritive tool. I don't see it as an herb that kind of exerts a certain pharmacological action in the body. It's not antibacterial or it's not a lymphatic, but it is just a nutritive. It's almost like the minerals that you're trying to get out of a big bowl of salad, you can get from a big jar of oat straw tea. And what's nice about it is that a lot of people might know nettle leaf for the calcium and magnesium and mineral content, but nettle leaf can be really cooling and drying. So for some people who already are prone to dryness, it can just kind of exacerbate a little bit of that dryness. And again, some some constipation, um, some skin dryness, it's very astringent. Whereas oat straw is a lot more neutral and it's a little bit more moistening. So someone who is a little bit drier and more prone to constipation, it can really help to just gently moisten the bowels. It can help to soothe the gut and promote microbiome health. And it's just such a great, almost like multi-mineral supplement tea to take. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's also like I heard good for mood too. Oh yeah. Because it's so good for your adrenals. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it reminds me, like, when I started getting really into, like, bringing saffron to the world and, like, really honing in on saffron and, like, the medicinal benefits behind it, I, at the same time, I was just, like, getting really into oat straw. So I, I just love how, like you said, it's just very simple. Like, anyone can have it. And, and that makes it really, really special for families, like you said, for kids. Absolutely. Okay. So on that note, it's so funny. I am obsessed with chamomile and I grow it in my garden and I have so much chamomile in my garden and I make this like really, really intense tea with it that is like super potent. And it's so funny because, and like, I know like one of my employees was saying that you love chamomile too. And that like, it helped you with caffeine. So I want to get into that conversation, but I know you'll love this because chamomile, like the roots were getting like really, really dry. So what we did the other night was like make a fire as a family and we were burning the chamomile roots and it was just like so exciting. I loved it so much. I was like, I have to tell her. But How yeah, cool is that? <laughs> it was really fun. My son was like so excited about it because we just had so much that we could like that helped with keeping the fire going the whole time. But anyway, so what happened to me the other day, which is so funny that we had this podcast coming up is I was actually being interviewed on someone's podcast and I swear she said maybe two words because the rest of the time I talked the entire time and then I stopped and like I told when I was done I was like you guys I swear I like feel like I took Adderall like I'm high like I don't really know what's going on and then my 
like employee was like, actually, that's so funny. You have to talk to organic Olivia about it because I don't drink caffeine at all. And I haven't for years. <clears throat> like I might have a sip year and there, like whatever I, but I just don't drink it. And so it was really funny because she said organic Olivia says that if you don't drink caffeine, chamomile has this like specific effect on you. So I was like, I need to ask her about quitting caffeine, like why you stopped and also like the chamomile situation. So it's so funny that you say that because people might um, look at a drink like coffee that they're drinking in order to be more productive and more energetic and think, why would I ever substitute that for chamomile, which is going to make me calm and drowsy and sleepy. And I'm definitely not saying that chamomile will give you an energy boost. But what I am saying is that it's going to give you a very interesting mood lift, which is what I personally think a lot of people and I myself am missing when I don't have caffeine. So through my no caffeine experiment, I learned that I could do without the energy boost. That's fine. I, I dealt with like the fatigue and now I'm on the other side. That's totally fine. But what I was really getting the most from the coffee plant was this uplifting, almost like antidepressant effect. And that's really common for people with coffee. It's the same with something like cacao, which also has caffeine and theobromine. There's this almost like heart lifting, heart opening mood lift effect. And that's why when you're drinking coffee, you can get a little jittery and jokey and want to share things. And it just really helps with your mood. So sometimes people find that when they quit coffee, they feel a lot more sad and and depressed and life just doesn't feel as bright. So what I started doing was ordering a chamomile latte by accident at my local coffee shop because I heard someone ordering an Earl Grey, like London Fog, which is an, uh, an Earl Grey latte. And I said to them, is there any chance you could make that with a decaf tea that would still taste good? And the girl was like, I guess I could do it with chamomile. I've never had chamomile and milk before, but I'll do it with like chamomile, milk, and a little bit of lavender syrup to just kind of zhuzh it up. And I'm like, that sounds so good. So I tried it and I swore just like you that I was high. I felt so (laughs) giddy, so happy. My mood was amazing. And even though I wasn't laser focused in on work the way that I am with caffeine, where I'm switching between a million tasks and being really agitated about getting things done, I was very into my task because I was just kind of getting lost into it like a child would. And I had this playfulness to me where... I was okay with doing the tasks that I needed to get done because life is good and nothing really matters. And I found that it just had such a profound effect on my spirit, which is what I was missing from the coffee. And then later, as I dove back into my notes from herb school, I realized that that makes so much sense because chamomile is traditionally for the like a, a child that is whining. One of my teachers says that chamomile is for those who are whining on the outside, who are very vocal about, I'm not comfortable. When are we going to get home? It's too hot in here. And then catnip is for those who are whining on the inside. So that's for people who have a lot of struggles internally, but don't always voice or vocalize them and keep everything inside. Wow. I realized that since chamomile is for this like child who is kind of complaining and whining and needs to be held and loved and comforted. It was the perfect thing for my inner child and my adult child that was like, I don't want to get this work done. I miss my caffeine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like it oh was just gosh. so beautiful. It makes so much sense because when you, it's like very similar to saffron actually, like now that you say that, I'm like, Oh my God, it, they're like twins in a way because even saffron has been used. I mean, they, there's so much research about it, but of the two main things that I use it for and that research has been able to prove is not only is it an incredible mood boosting um, herb or spice that they've like proven uh, works at just like 30 milligrams, which is funny because traditional Chinese medicine actually have this like amazing book on it uses like 150 milligram dose, which is what's in our latte. But it's like, this instant like experience of euphoria but then the chamomile was the same and like what they both have in common as well is that saffron has also been used for centuries like not just for like depression and anxiety but they've used it to help people with symptoms recently with symptoms of ADHD and it's like the same thing that you're saying about chamomile makes so much sense because 
what it's doing is actually calming down your nervous system. So that's so funny. Like people think it'll make them, you know, sleepy. Like when I tell them, oh, you could take it any time of day. It doesn't matter. Like it's calming down your nervous system because that's mainly what we all need is to just like calm down to focus or calm down a little bit to feel that like natural like uplift in our mood you know it's so interesting i love that they're both like i like want everything to be chamomile and saffron but i love plants and i love that like you're called to see like you were naturally just called to that experience too and i think that that's really exciting when people have those moments where it's like you know i just like got off coffee but like i heard someone ordering a you know london fog and this is where i'm at now that doesn't have caffeine it's like so natural and intuitive and like perfect and then she put it with lavender like that makes so much sense you know it was amazing and it really brings out the child inside of you which i thought was really nice i even realized in therapy after that day like i was being way more open and open-hearted and childlike and more willing to say certain things and i'm like what am i on and it was just chamomile so i also love that you said that we think we need to like hype ourselves up and stimulate ourselves to focus which is why we have the coffee but it's so true we are an overstimulated society we actually need to calm down our neurotransmitters so that we're not over firing and exhausting ourselves and we have the reserves to focus so i am with you on that saffron chamomile nervines all the way to focus yeah, I love that. Okay, so speaking on all that, I want to know, like, you've been in the industry for so long, and uh, being in this industry and just in this space for so long, there's a lot of, like, hype and trends that come up around different things, but, you know, I, I think we're pretty similar in the sense that we know that we need to just do things that work for our body and advocate for others and empower them to do the same thing, and there are so many trends that come up. So, Tell me, like, what, like, how do you vet things? How do you figure out what's worth trying? What's a trend? And like, what's effective? And what's maybe, you know, not dangerous to recommend, etc. So I think when it comes to figuring out what's a trend, I think there's really nothing new under the sun. So certain, I mean, let's think of it this way. I'm very much about traditional wisdom. So I went to Arbor Vitae, which is a school of traditional herbalism in Brooklyn. And we learned about all traditional systems of medicine that have been around for thousands of years. So Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, even traditional Mayan medicine, which has so much in common with traditional Chinese medicine. So there are certain practices that are time tested that I really trust. And so when we see something coming up in the modern wellness world that's like an oil pulling formula. Maybe it's not using the exact herbs that were available in ancient India, but it's kind of innovating on that with a different blend of herbs, but it's still the same traditional practice that we know has all of these benefits. And there's some science to back it up. When we look at studies on coconut oil and the effect on the oral microbiome and how it helps to reduce uh, species of streptococcus mutans, which causes cavities, then you kind of, that's where you get that mix of the tradition and the science that I love so much that makes me feel like, okay, this is something that has stand, could stand the test of time and also holds up in the literature. And because we have data and tradition, I feel comfortable utilizing this and recommending it. But when it's something that's like just trendy for the time being, like chlorophyll, for example, I try to just look at where can I get this from a whole food plant source? And is it really an innovation or is it kind of like we're taking a piece of something and losing the benefit of the whole? So essentially, would it be better for me to just eat my greens or do I really need to take this chlorophyll tincture? Um, And so for something like that, I think it's just about, again, research and logic and understanding that for me, most of the time, I really like to use and formulate with whole plants because again in traditional herbalism that's how things have been done we use the whole plant we don't isolate just one standardized extract or phytochemical because we know that science doesn't even understand every single phytochemical that's in a plant so we can't just say that curcumin is what makes turmeric work for inflammation because they've also done studies on turmeric removing the curcumin and they've also seen that there's anti-inflammatory benefits so We don't know everything and science doesn't know everything. So I always rely on the tradition and rely on using things in their whole form. So that's kind of how I I think about things. That's my thought process. 
And I'm always willing to try a new product. And for example, your products, right? It's taking saffron, which is a time tested. It's part of a cultural medicine system. And B, there's a lot of great studies and literature on it. So that's something where I'm like, you've innovated on it in a way that you've added it to a latte. You've made it more consumable, easy to put into your day and fit into your lifestyle. It's tasty. So that's something where I'm, I'm down for it because it's just making it more accessible to one's modern lifestyle. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I love the tradition. I love that combination of like people taking these traditions that have been used for centuries in these medicine. And then now that there's literature on it, it's like really exciting to share that. Wow. Look, like we're really able to prove why this works. Like we know it works. They've known intuitively that it works, but now science can prove it too, which is so exciting. And I completely agree with you. So I guess my last question is what sort of health practices made the biggest difference in your overall journey? And like, which ones do you still do on a daily basis? So I have a few um, that I always go back to and that are really the mainstays of my routine. So number one, I know I've talked about it many times in this episode. (laughs) I just gave another example with the oil pulling, but taking care of your oral microbiome. I cannot stress this enough. And it's something that we overlook and it's not sexy to think about flossing, but it's essentially free medicine besides the cost of floss, right? (laughs) Um, And it's so important because we're swallowing so much bacteria every single day from our mouths. And that bacteria is going down and seeding our gut microbiome. So very often we're so focused on taking herbs for gut health, gut dysbiosis, which definitely has its place. Plenty of people have gut dysbiosis and need antimicrobial herbs. But if you're just treating the gut and you're not taking care of your mouth, then you're kind of making way for this imbalance to continue at the root, right? At the source of where you're swallowing it. So I think taking care of your mouth is the most important thing that you can do for your longevity. There's even research coming out about Alzheimer's showing that the plaques in the brain are made of very similar bacterial species that they're finding in plaques in the mouth and that there may be a way that these plaques are, or the bacteria at least, is traveling through the gums into the brain. So there's so many things that we just don't know. And I think that the best thing you can do for your health and what I do every night is I floss and I also use a water pick. I was going to ask you, yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. But I floss you first. You use both. Okay, got it. No, my dentist said that the floss actually gets like, you know, the white gunk that's in between your teeth. It's not food. It's like its own white mush. Yeah. <laughs> this is so gross. But that's kind of like what, that's the start of the biofilm. That's kind of like what becomes plaque and tartar. So the floss is what's going to get that because you need to like manually scrape that mush out. And then the water pick is what's going to get like flat food particles like cilantro or whatever it is that's stuck between your teeth with the force. So I, t- I get totally different things out every night when I floss and then when I water pick. There's still a lot left to water pick out after I floss, um, but I'm getting the gunk with the floss. So I do floss first, then I water pick, then I brush, and then I'll sometimes just do like a little um, oral probiotic that I dissolve in my mouth. In terms of my other um, health practices that I still do, In Chinese medicine, um, again, the warmth of your body is everything. So I spoke about warmth before for your uterus and for blood flow and cramping and all of that. Keeping warm is essential in Chinese medicine. They never want you to drink anything cold. So ever since I learned about TCM, I stopped drinking cold water. And now I just drink either room temperature water or warm water or tea. And that has done wonders for my digestion. And it's also a really nice, like easy free medicine hack. And walking every single day, again, another thing that's free. If I don't walk, I'm just not myself. And you just build up so much momentum and good brain chemicals by doing so. Another thing is stretching. There's a video on YouTube called um, Jessica Smith Doms, D-O-M-S. And it's my favorite stretching video in the world. And I just find that it opens up so much for me energetically and emotionally. And my body just really needs to stretch. And then I also find that eating to balance my blood sugar, that's something that I constantly think about. That's just a, a second nature part of my routine now. Whenever I'm having a meal or a snack, I make sure that there's a protein, a fat, and a carbohydrate. So I'm never just going to eat like a handful of gluten-free pretzels alone. I'm going to eat some gluten-free pretzels and then also a little bit of fat and protein on the side. So maybe like a, an epic bar along with those uh, pretzels so that I get the fat and the protein in that bar of grass-fed meat. So I never want to be creating blood sugar spikes for myself because blood sugar spikes create high 
insulin and high cortisol and can further hormone imbalance. I love all of those tips and I can't wait to do the stretching video. I do like <laughs> videos with my son. Like we do Melissa Wood Health videos sometimes and he'll like pretend he's her. It's so funny. So, I love that. Um, I'll definitely, Your son sounds amazing. He's really sweet. He loves all this stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. And I love that you, your whole oral routine sounds amazing. I completely agree. Back in the day, I used to be like so into the whole like Gerson therapy, like watching her documentaries and everything. And she was mentioning, you know, her dad's work, obviously. And she was saying, number one thing, just like you said, like the number one thing, even above eating organic food, which is obviously a hundred percent number one, like non-negotiable is oral health. Dental hygiene is number one. It just makes so much sense. So, okay. Also, so you were talking about our, you know, microbiome of the lung at one point, like what would you recommend? Like before you go, I think that's really interesting and I've never thought about it. So like, what would you recommend would that be more like rosehip, hawthornberry would be something that's like supporting that that you recommended on a daily basis? So for the microbiome of the lung, interestingly enough, it also has to do with your oral microbiome. And that's why I'm so serious about it because yeah. it's just the source of everything. That's why in hospitals, when you take care of your mouth, you're less likely to get a lung infection because there is that the lungs are right there. It's kind of everything shares a microbiome. So taking care of your mouth is the best thing you can do. But interestingly enough, after learning everything I did about COVID and after my parents went into the hospital, a lot of literature started coming out about botanicals that are effective or, you know, may be effective in terms of helping with the spike protein and just the viral process and, and inflammation. So I ended up creating a formula called Microbiome Guard, which is a lung microbiome tincture and has herbs that very specifically help to modulate the microbiome of the lung and are antimicrobial specific to the lungs. So my Microbiome Guard formula, it's very pungent and like warming and spicy. It has some ginger in there. It has angelica root in there, which is traditionally used for respiratory issues and coughs. And whenever I feel something coming on and I get a little bit phlegmy and chesty, I start to take that formula to just nip it in the bud. And it's one of my all-time favorites. So if nothing else good came from that time, that formula certainly did. Okay. Amazing. I'm so excited to check that out. And is it something that you like would be cool with someone giving their kids? I give my kids everything, but I always ask, even though like when it comes to kids, I I really do say to just ask your um, pediatrician or your child's practitioner if they're, if they have a practitioner who does have herbal knowledge. Um, But there, I do have a list of formulas that are kids safe on my site and microbiome guard is not technically just an overall like right off the bat kids safe formula it's one of those that you have to ask their practitioner about but I do have um some kids formulas that are specific in my line I have super soother which helps to calm kids down with chamomile and I have like elderberry syrup and I have a cough syrup that's kids safe and our probiotic is kids safe so there's plenty of stuff on my site that is kids safe it's just those more like heavy-duty herbal hitters that I want to make sure you're talking to their uh, pediatrician about just so that they can approve it and then also work on dosage based on weight. Yeah, that's important too. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a lot of your time with us. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see, you know, where your formulas go and I personally love all of your teas. Um, We have them here at the office. We really enjoy them. We love the loose leaf teas. We um, also just, you know, love following along what you're up to. And one thing that I used to back from like the COVID situation with your parents, I know you shared a lot about that one tea that you made. I don't know if we have that formula, if you ended up formulating it or not, but it was like with the orange peel and everything. Do you have that? We did. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That one became the guardian. So anything that's like uh, has guard in the name on my site was kind of like part of the original care packages that I was making wow. for, for immune health. So microbiome guard and the guardian are kind of like the kit that I was giving everyone. And then of course my zinc, I did make a zinc formula that has orange peel, quercetin and e- uh, EGCG from green tea, because those botanicals and compounds have been shown in literature to act as zinc ionophores, which actually help zinc to get into the lysosomes of the cell so that zinc can better help to inhibit viral replication. So it's kind of like an advanced 
zinc rather than just taking a regular zinc formula. We just zhuzhed it up a little bit and made it more bioavailable with those botanicals. Wow, that's amazing. I definitely need to check that out. So let us know how people can connect with you. You have so many different ways, you know, podcast, website, all that. So tell us um, before you go. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this conversation so much. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at organic underscore Olivia. That's kind of like my personal account where I started. And then we also have an account just for my brand and my products and my um, education and all of my articles. So that's at shop organic Olivia. And then my website is organiclivia.com. You can also find a ton of blog posts there. That's where you can purchase my formulas. And then my podcast is called What's the Juice? Thank you so much for joining us, Olivia. So wonderful to chat with you. Have a wonderful week.